Peace, family. Peace, peace, peace. But up, it is Takeover Tuesday, and it's time to take over with your favorite team, the Seven Generations Black team right here on CTN Media, where we're changing the narrative, and we're doing it with you. You know what time it is. Share this out right now on your platform. Share it out, share it out, share it out. Let's create engagement. Keep on supporting independent Black media. We appreciate you. Make sure when you go over to YouTube and you follow us at CTM Media, you super chat us up. Show us some love. Let us know it's important because we're powered by the people and we appreciate you people. Again, make sure you share this out on our network. Shout out to over a thousand views of you guys rocking with Seven Generations Black on last week. We appreciate it. So that means when the show's over, you can share it out then. You don't have to do it now, but at some point, no, this is conversation for the culture. So we need all the involvement. Today, it's going to go down. Welcome to Seven Generations Black, the podcast power to equip and inform you, clear your lens, and present you with a new perspective with Theo E.J. Wilson, a soul, lethal, Jace Johnson, and I'm your host, Shay J. We are Seven Generations Black. Again, share this out on your network, people. It's going to get good. Today, we are talking about on cold, toxic masculinity. Oh, I told you it's going to get good today. Go ahead and share it out. But you know, I had to hit you with the red pill alert before we get going. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. This is your opportunity to stop listening and tune out now. If you do, the story ends. And you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. However, if you take the seven generations red pill, you stay here with us in a liberatory discussion and we show you just how deep the rabbit hole goes. The choice, as always, is yours. Welcome to Seven Generations Black. Let me introduce you to my super dope panel again. My guys from Shop Talk Live, the one and only Theo E.J. Wilson, the Honorable Protector Initiative, the man with the shirts, Mr. Lethal, look, we got to lean in. I, somebody read it to me. I got thick skin due to the lashes my ancestors endured. Salute, brother, salute. I see you, okay. And now, <laughs> my guy who has been holding down in the health and wellness department, shout out to you, brother, getting this all right. The, re the Righteous Rage Institute, the one and only H-Soul. <laughs> oh, bitch, don't kill my vibe, maybe? <laughs> we'll do our best not to kill your vibe today. <laughs> Hold it down for the ladies, no other than the economic guru, my girl, Jice Johnson of the Black Business Initiative. I don't have nothing. I was like, do something cool. <laughs> our broadcasting live from Atlanta. Shout out, Jice and the ATL holding it down. We just love Detroit now. It's Atlanta. It's going down for BBI and CTN Media. Really, just leaving more people for the culture. So shout out to everyone who's shown us mad love on our on our culture tour. It's the tour that we made up. It's not a real tour, <laughs> but we appreciate the love. So do me a favor again. Go ahead and share this out on your network. This is a three part conversation. So part one, put on your seatbelts. Now, <laughs> is toxic masculinity? just a feminist catchphrase in the black community or a genuine problem facing black men and women. How many black men become the face of toxic masculinity? Does addressing toxic masculinity help restore the black relationships or does it really just drive us further apart? This is a conversation for the community today on Seven Generations Black. Last week, if you tuned in, we talked about protecting black women. The conversation got deep because we really went past the conversation that most people have. This week we're talking about toxic masculinity. So I know that this conversation is going to go there as well. You know, when I started thinking about this conversation and before we dig into it, I feel like the term toxic masculinity, it requires careful context, contextualization. I think it really provokes strong reactions and we have to be careful when we have this conversation to make sure that we put this in the right context. So I wanna take this off of my guy, Theo E.J. Wilson. If you could just let us know in the context, how are we looking at toxic masculinity? We're just looking at it for black folks in terms of what black men inherited from the white male example. That's it. Mm -hmm. It ain't nothing to do with masculinity in general. And I think that a lot of the toxic side of feminism conflates all masculinity as toxic. And the fact is, is that masculinity when it's healthy is a girl's best friend, period. Mm -hmm. What we unpacking is the bullshit that we learned from the example of the overseer. 
when we got brought over here, we know that the biggest, strongest, blackest male was pulled apart by four horses in all four directions to make an example out of, so that the slave master would be, and the white male power example, and the capitalist patriarch would be our idea of what to aspire to as men. When we reconstruct masculinity, what we're doing is we putting it together back in a more holistic context, but we gotta have both our nuts functioning when we do that. And I'm not afraid to say that. We just gotta be somebody who is standing strong for our community with enough check inside of ourselves, not to let our bullshit poison the folks that we love. That's what that, that's what that means to me. Whew. Man, Theo, you're taking me on a ride because I think that this is a conversation that we've been needing to have in our community for so long. When you look at it, white America has really crafted the conditions under which this context has flourished. So when we start to break that down, the enslavement of our, our black men being beaten in front of their black women, being taken, the psychological conditioning that really happened, yeah. um, you know, really moving them, watching their family being sold to different plantations. When you when you think about all those things, how do we now in this day and age really define what toxic masculinity is when we have this whole other lens of where this really came from and the root of this? Is that a question for me? It can be you or, or my, my guy up there on the right. I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll finish this section out. Um, the thing about it is that there's been, a, there's been a spiritual, upright, psychological masculinity that scares white supremacy. That's what they've been attacking in us. Uh, you know, when you talk about the kind of masculinity that Malcolm X had, even if you look at the kind of masculinity that Dr. King had, that's a principled, spiritually grounded way of being a man that challenges oppressive systems. Even in the book, Behold the Pale Horse, he talks about, William Cooper talks about breaking away the man from the family is one of the ways to stop the people from rebelling. Emasculating the males is why you keep a population under control, but it's a certain type of masculinity that we're talking about here, and trust me, even I've been around lesbians. I've been around people who are non-gender conforming that crave that type of masculinity again. And when they find it, it causes a different reaction in them. All this like, you just gotta be man enough not to have to make somebody else look short for you to feel tall. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You just gotta be to the point and, and, and know how to call out bullshit, defend folks and be gentle enough to be a safe space for folks. I think that's the kind of masculinity that we need to re-assert uh, versus, you know what I'm saying, the overbearing shit that always has to conquer and prove and dominate that's just doing too much. Real masculinity just is, but the toxic masculinity is always trying to be. You know what I mean? Oh, that part. Can you say that last line again, please? Yeah, real masculinity just is, whereas toxic masculinity is always trying to be. Wow. Ooh, uh, I don't know who I want to jump in there next. I feel like this is great, but I feel like I have a woman right here, and I, I really would like to hear from your lens. Jice, when you hear toxic masculinity, what does that ring for you, and, and, and how does that? Um, how do you context that? What is the context for you in that? I always feel like when we have these conversations around like gender, I'm just not the right one to have the... I'm not the right one to represent the women, guys. <laughs> um, because, you know, I feel like I oftentimes don't see it, you know, um, in the same lens. But one, I will absolutely agree with that last statement. Um, well, really with uh, with pretty much everything that he just said, but that last statement hit hard. Yeah. You know, um, what I think when, I, when I'm hearing, uh, you know, this phrase toxic masculinity, oftentimes what I'm seeing is um, the idea that patriarchy has, uh, keeps women, you know, um, below men right in in, mm -hmm. in this hierarchy sense and so um so a lot of the things that are put out there uh that are that are said to be toxic to me don't always feel toxic um but also i understand that there's a lot of ways that i don't see myself so that's why i feel like for me i have a hard time really kind of reckoning with what feels toxic or what doesn't when i mean you know i've been in uh work environments where it's predominantly men um you know with crude jokes and, you know, whatever 
type of work environment, I don't struggle in that work environment. You know, I don't have a problem with walking up to a man, shaking his hand firmly and looking him in his eyes. So I don't have an issue with sexual harassment or what I perceive to be sexual harassment mm. in these areas. And I say I perceive because I definitely get people who will say something, you know, probably off the wall to me. I just don't internalize it that way. It doesn't bother me. I'm not concerned with it. So what other women may, you know, see as being a, a, an environment that can produce harassment, an environment that can be toxic, an environment where they feel um, like they don't have a voice or, or or struggle to find their space of empowerment or, you know, find their space of worth, all these things, that's not an area that I struggle in. Um, but I see the behavior and see how it can be problematic in a lot of senses. And so, I, you know, I think for us, it's like, where is that where is that behavior rooted? Why mm -hmm. do we see some of this behavior that can be very harmful to both men and women um, in a sense of trying to, you know, produce this masculinity as Theo said, you know, trying to be something. And um, not only does it negatively affect men, but it, I mean, women, but it also negatively affects men. And I think when the, the idea of feminism has really brought out toxic masculinity yeah. from the lens of a woman, but a lot of toxic masculinity that I see is how brothers deal with each other. Um, you know, how brothers, you know, uh, struggle to, in certain senses, what I see is struggle to work together, have too much testosterone in the room, you know, and other things like that. I just came back from Detroit and had a situation like that. I'm literally telling one, you know, one man to talk to another man to handle a situation and they don't want to talk to each other. They want to go through me. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like what? There's no bad blood. There's no issue. It's just, I don't like bro. Like what is this about? Y'all can't communicate. So it's, it's interesting because I, you know, I see it both ways, but I, I think that there's an aspect or a space where some of the other areas um, where men struggle to hold each other accountable, where mm -hmm. men don't deal well, well with each other, where they can be bros, right? But they're but they're not necessarily like teaching each other to be men or holding each other accountable to be men in certain spaces. That is a sense of toxic toxic masculinity that I see that overflows into how then our brothers and our men deal with uh, women and children in the community. Wow. I think that, that you know, that, that's a good way to put it. There's so many different levels of toxic masculinity when we look at it. And I think never really even talking about how men interact with each other, that, that's a big part of it. Um, also, also how they deal with our children, all those things. Um, before we get into kind of the bro code, because I think there, well, we can actually talk about that. Let's talk about that code because we do have you men on this panel. Is there a code you guys hold each other accountable to when you say like man to man, you know, is there a way you operate? that brings this masculinity out that allows men to be men? Is, is there a proper way to operate or is there a code that you go by in this world at this point in life? I think, so I just wanna hop in real quick here before we, we hop into the, the code part of it and really unpack a little bit more what we mean by toxic masculinity. I think it's really important that we really get as crystal clear about toxic masculinity as possible. I think Theo did an excellent job in opening that up for us. I think when, when I think of toxic, toxic masculinity, I think it's important for us to, to put two things into context. One is we're talking about white supremacy when we're talking about black men and their lack of expression and lack of a, a, a workable model of what masculinity masculinity is. That's one thing. A lot, what, a lot of what people label as toxic masculinity is just black men existing inside of, on a plantation system and not having the power to control their lives, to control their income, to control their, right? And so they are acting out in areas of influence that they, that they do have access to due to the fact that they are oppressed. Again, it's very difficult to, to diagnose someone inside of an artificial uh, uh, setup like a plantation. That, there's, there's that piece of it. And, and, and let me give you an example of that. When, when Theo looked towards giving, giving examples of healthy masculinity, he pointed to Malcolm X and to Martin Luther King. Both of those men were deeply rooted inside of religious belief systems that are highly patriarchal, right? Highly male-oriented, highly 
male centered, right? So even our best and brightest that come out of our black, we're so deep on the plantation, our best and brightest are still rooted in us and in, in, in what I would call an artificial uh, uh, religious belief system, not a traditional one. So that, there's that piece of it. Then the, uh, on, the, on the right hand side, also what we what I think we call ta toxic masculinity is really just bitch behavior, right? It's really an overemphasis on estrogen. It's not it's not masculinity at all. For instance, when you got two bulls that have beef with each other, they come head to head with each other. That shit that Jess just talked about, that's bitch made behavior. And I don't mean women be made behavior. I mean bitch made behavior because even two women can come to a room and have a conversation with each other and discuss things. Woman, woman, queens can do that. But you have two men that use a woman to have a discussion with each other. That's an that's not toxic masculinity. That's not masculinity at all. Masculinity is fire and it addresses fire. It takes fire head on. That is estrogen. That's toxic estrogen behavior where you are too meek or you are, you shrink away from addressing issues forthrightly. So again, I think a lot of things get labeled uh, incorrectly in, in when we have this discussion, but I think what I think Theo did, a, like I said, an excellent job, and and J and Jice did an excellent job of talking about how she's just not going to go for the uh, white feminist okie doke talking about black people and black men around their behavior and what you know this anytime a man expresses himself in some type of way, then you know you can't even have discussions with some folks who are so wounded uh, around this and have adopted so much white terminology around this that we can't even talk to each other really anymore. Because let's be clear about it, and I'll close on this point. We were all raised on the same plantation playground, which means black women are playing out white supremacy issues and ideas and black men are playing them out it ain't like one is playing them out better or more or 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 no one's cleaner than the other except in the sense that black men in this system do have a certain level of uh, physical power and expectations in the way that black women do not but we're all we all played and learned dirty shit on on the playground and some of the best teachers of toxic masculinity are black women as is as is indicated by the fact that most black men are raised by black women so i mean we gotta we gotta hold everybody accountable to this and and be careful not to point too many fingers some accountability to be held that's for sure that is real. Um, so I, I think one of the things that you made a very clear thing is that Black women have just as much of a part in this as men do. And I think that gets me to the feminist side of this. Like when we started thinking about the feminist effect on, on our community, a lot of these things that happened um, was the fear of homophobia. Like a lot, a lot of these things really happen out of, let me make sure my son is, you know, the right way, whatever that means. You know, a lot of these things came out of that fear. I want to just go to a story that happened really recently um, in our black community. Now, this is somebody we know we don't respect as a leader, but this is something that's happened in the community that people were um, talking about the whole issue. So those of you who don't know, it's a rapper, Booty Badass. Booty's a rapper. Booty um, admits and puts us all over Instagram that he had women perform sexual um, oral, oral sex on his nephew and son at the age of 12 and 13. He said that he wanted to make sure that they knew what it was like to, you know, have oral sex and knew what it was like to be a man so that they could go the right way in life. He said, you guys are making your sons weak and I'm going to make sure my sons are strong. And so as people start going back and forth about what this really represented, and they said this was the ultimate behavior of black toxic masculinity unleashed. And then some people said, no, I understand where he's coming from because our boys are being made too soft in our community. What's our response to that? And how do we even talk about, address that mindset? Because the problem is when we start looking at the numbers on this conversation, my mind was blown to see the way this conversation even started to unravel. And as he was saying, this is like, but number one, they're 12 and 13, but we know that's a whole nother issue at, at bay. But how do we address this? Because too many black men have said, no, I understand. I, I get it. Get that, Lethal. Yeah, let me get that. Uh, <laughs> I got to get that because, um, yeah, I had the same experience. Mm. You know, when I say that, you know, I am the son of um, 
an individual who used to make women sell their bodies, aka the pimp. I'm not I'm not joking about that. Like my father really did that. And my first kiss, um, shit, I was younger than six years old. Where he had a woman um stick her tongue in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And um I remember I was like either eleven or twelve. And I remember when, you know, in that realm, you know, the top woman is called the bottom bitch. And I remember where, you know, he tried to make her give me the money for my birthday as a birthday oh, present. Wow. It was $75. Right? I've never forgotten that. Um and I remember the feeling that, you know, it invoked in me. It just didn't feel right. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and I got pissed and I made him, you know, send me home uh, back to my mom. You know what I mean? Um, and I rode the train um, at 11, 12 years old. I was maybe 75 pounds, maybe five foot three. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but, but, but something in me just knew that that wasn't right. And so I rode the train on my own coming from, I mean, y'all might've heard of it, you know, Delancey Street, the Bowery, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've been there, yeah. Yeah, and I rode the train from there by myself uh, back into Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, on the D-line, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that shit is real, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I mean, I lived it, I had the experience. I remember one time I was hiding in the closet you know what I'm saying? While he was out, you know, uh, in a different part of the apartment we were in conducting business, you know? Um, I remember this uh, white Mzungu crackhead heroin addict chick that um, when we walked up on him, she was one of his women and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he told me to, uh, you know, greet a woman in a proper way, blah, 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 kiss her hand, this, that, and the other, and so forth and third, right? But she was a dirty ass person. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had to greet her with the, you know, how you doing, ma'am? Take her hand and, you know, kiss her hand and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? I felt disgusted. Right. And uh, my uh, his bottom bitch at the time. Right. She, you know, pulled me to the side and said, I know, baby, you know, and pulled out a little alcohol. wipe, You know, wipe my lips, wipe my face, wipe my hands. And she said, you know, she's a nasty, you know, you know, B word. You know what I mean? Try to keep it clean here. Um, and this is the same woman who, you know, he tried to make give me the money, right? What I didn't understand at the time, and I understood later on in life, is that in that world, right, it doesn't matter the age of the person, right? Yeah. The, the boy, the male, the man, right? When a pimp has one of his women put cash money into the hands of another man or male, he's giving her to him. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. And so, you know, for me, you know, hearing stories like that, they're just, um, they're disgusting. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm glad to hear the comments from everybody that, that, that you know, we decided as a community that we're going to talk about the context in which, you know, toxic black male masculinity exists. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's a difference between of free people, and as H says, people on a plantation operating under a system that doesn't allow them to elevate themselves with regards to the hierarchy of human needs, right? Um, there's a difference. Um, you know, free people, when you're born and you have 87% of, of the resources available to you are already yours, and then you're a group of, of or you're part of a group with other groups that are fighting for the additional 13% of resources, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to have um, a certain level of um, bravado with you because you're in a war. You understand what I'm saying? You are in a war. We, as a people, are in a war. And what frustrates me and what angers me the most is that there are too many of us who do not recognize, understand, and and realize that we are in a war for our very existence and we've always been in a war for our very existence, hands down, period, right? And so that facilitates 
right? The breeding and the manifestation of a certain level of masculinity that to some is going to be perceived as toxic, right? Yeah. But you are in a war. And I know this because, I mean, y'all know my history, man. I'm, I'm a former service member, right? I've been to war. The only thing you care about is getting home. The only thing you care about is living. The only thing you care about is surviving. When you're having Scud missiles shot at you and blown up over your head and waking you up in the middle of the night for 45 days straight and whatnot, at two o'clock in the morning, 45 days straight, you know what I'm saying? You develop a certain edge to you. So now imagine our, our men, our people going out here in these streets on a daily basis, right? Denied basic human needs and left to fight, scrap, and scramble for the leftover 13%. Great yeah. point. Great that means a certain level of toxicity in you. That's right. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Yeah. So Great I don't point. I don't know this story about uh the bassy boosie, whatever the hell you call this person, right? Mm -hmm. But that's some dumb shit he's doing. Yeah. That's some dumb shit. That is fucking child abuse. It is. You can say I was abused. How do we start framing our community? Because I, and I hear this too much, and I see this right now going on in my private chat. A lot of times we, parents are afraid of the feminism part, afraid of their boys being too soft. Um, but we know that black boys deserve to be able just to be boys. They deserve to grow up in their own time. They deserve to explore their sexuality. They deserve to do these things you know, without hurting people. They deserve this. How do we start switching this over in our community? How does that start to be normalized? Get free. Yeah, it goes back to the, uh, <laughs> the sister's name with the book from 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 that I mentioned last week. But she talks about how that we need to create a space, a safe space with, with, with safe opportunities in order for us to be able to live free, as as Soul said. Right. Mm -hmm. we have to create that. And, and in her book, she talks about this being created through the understanding of group economics money we live in a capitalist society money drives and determines everything, everything. to include politics right so there's this group uh, up in the city in brooklyn right the hasidic jews right or the orthodox jews whatever you want to call them right mm -hmm. and you know we got this so-called pandemic pandemic covid virus whatever the hell going around right well they were told stop gathering well guess what seven thousand of them got together and said "Fuck you new york we're gonna do what we want to do you know how they're able to do that? Group economics. They have economic power and they bought and, and, and sold politicians who won't dare go at them. And until yeah. we understand that, we are not going to have this space and this opportunity to focus internally on the issues that we have here and here because we're too busy on our grind in a capitalist society where we're stuck at the bottom of the pyramid. Brilliant. Jess, if you want to jump in there, I would love. Brilliant. Yeah, well, I was going to say also, it's like, I think we have to assert where, what we're considering masculine. I mean, to yeah. your, to that point of what, you know, you were just expressing with Boosie, and I know that's a story that is, that's a little, that's not a fresh story, a new story, but it is something that's relevant, I think, in this conversation where there's, there's equating, uh, you know, sexual promiscuity to manhood and to masculinity. And I, so I yeah. think that there is, and, and that's not the only like, you know, false uh, comparison. Like there's these places where we are making comparisons as to what makes a man. And yeah. those things are not built on strong virtues or values or even strong contributions to society. These are built on, you know, a lot of the ability to be big, to be strong, um, you know, to be able to win a fight, to be able to, you know, Know, uh, mass produced to be able to, you know, how, how many women do you have, you know, this type of idea around masculinity in and of itself, you know, to me is, uh, you know, circulates a lot of that. And I think, um, I, I, I don't want to shift too much, but Jesse Paris asked a question here that I just want to throw on the screen real quick, because okay. I think that is that it's important for us to understand that there are other communities that are having a conversation around toxic masculinity looks like this is not a conversation that's just happening in the black community. And Although if it is, so what? Hmm? 
<laughs> if, it, if it is a conversation only black folks are having, so what? I mean, Lethal just got finished saying we can't on one hand say that black people are in a situation like no other people on the planet and then expect us to have conversations like other people are having. So what if we're having a conversation about that nobody other community is having? So what? We're not comparing ourselves to anybody else. And to Lethal's point, and I'm sorry, Jace, let me just hop in real quickly. I lived in Africa for 10 years. During my time in Africa, and for those of you who have visited Africa, black men walk down the street and they hold hands with each other. This is not sexual. This is, uh, this is a way to show intimacy. And so again, what we're talking about is intimacy is destroyed inside of the Western system. The, only, the question that no one's asking when they're talking about the booty, uh, Bootsy badass question is why does he even have a microphone or a platform in the first place? The reason why he has a microphone and a platform in the first place is because he personifies the sickness of what America is. That's the only reason. If he was yeah. talking about health, if he was talking about being right with his mama and being right with his sister and being right with his children if he was talking about that he would have a platform he would be car he wouldn't have a platform so we have to be no. we have to be clear enough to understand that a lot of the people that we hear on our radios a lot of people that we get through these they are there because they represent the most toxic ideas of the black community they they're not there because they they are you know that they represent the health of us they represent the worst of us and it's funny that you would bring up Boosie badass because just recently mike tyson had to check his ass before you do that because this conversation is getting too good share this out on your network because we need to support independent black media go ahead and super chat us up right there in the chats on youtube yeah. You know, we think we keep conversations like this coming forward because we need these conversations to happen. So I'm going to tag that over to, to Theo since he was going to talk about I it. Like let, me just, let me just say this. His ass wasn't bad in front of Mike Tyson, goddammit. Mm -hmm. he, he, he was bootsy pussyfoot when he was sitting in, in, in a booth <laughs> with Tyson. Let me tell you that when I seen, because uh, my, my boy Montague Connolly, shout out to the herbalist Montague yes. Connolly. Uh, Montague sent me that interview, and you just seen him get G-checked by a greater warrior. You sitting in the booth with the baddest man on the planet, and he's a changed man. He's evolved. Yeah. What you're looking at is what's missing. A straight older G that you can't do nothing about. That's right. You know I mean? Boosie Badass got his first feeling of what a daddy was like in his mm. life for a long ass time. That's and right. the thing about it is that when African societies attack, you got them warriors out there that's willing to talk to you like that. And there's nothing you can do. It's something about a little dude who think he's bad, who's in the room with a man that there's nothing he can do about. You understand what I'm saying? You try to bust this nigga, he will break his broken grown men who are elite athletes with one arm, like you, you feel me? So when you were the presence of that, that I saw Boosie checking himself. That's right. I seen Boosie checking himself. Boosie, Boosie wasn't just out here talking that shit. That's he right. was out here like, you know what? You probably, you you sound like what my mama said and I probably need like, he was trying to get underneath them jabs before Mike even threw him, you understand? Because there is, um, there is this propensity for cats to, buttress up against every border until they find something that they can't break. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Um, and when you remove the masculine, healthy, strong men from a society, you leave the undeveloped bucks to try to embody the thing that they've never known. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, when, and, and so Mike Tyson, it's like, I remember when he was like, what Jamie Foxx described as a pit bull on the loose. I remember when Mr. Peekaboo knocked you out in one punch would be like, you don't know what's about to happen. You see what I'm saying? And what I feel is that men need to be that for each other because Mike can control his power. He doesn't need to flex. Mike embodied what I was talking about at the very beginning. He don't need to try. He don't need to flex. You already know what he is. And he was like, how come you don't be nice to people? He was asking him some basic grandma shit. It was yeah. just coming from Mike Tyson. 
How come yeah. you don't respect other people's feelings? How come you don't respect other people's feelings? How come you don't like to be nice to people? If you don't like homosexuals, is it because you're afraid that you're a homosexual? Are you afraid that you like men and like you like boys and butts? You know what I'm saying? Like he, like he had to ask Bootsy that shit. <laughs> Bootsy was like, no, I don't like boys and butts. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> shit. Hold up, uh, let me, let, me speak, let me speak to the brother Jesse Paris real quick, right? Hey, brother, check this out, right? We are the originators of what it means to be humane. We are the originators of humanity. So just because some inferior race or inferior group isn't doing anything, doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. You understand what I'm saying? Because mm. we're the leaders. We started humanity. We're the leaders. You understand what I'm saying? There is nothing in this world that exists Without us, without us, everything on this planet, everything in this world comes from us. So we need to have a conversation about something, support that having a conversation because we're the leaders. We started this, you understand what I'm saying? And that's scientifically been proven. You know what I mean? They finding what? Fossils and dead bodies and things of this nature, right? In Africa, so we need to be African and we need to lead. That's why we having this conversation. You know what I'm saying? And if our people can benefit from it, and if one person, one boy or one girl doesn't have to be subjected to what I'm subjected to, come yeah. on. How can you be against that? Come on. That's real. Yeah, I appreciate that, uh, Lethal, because I think that's so important as we're having this conversation about toxic mas masculinity and really putting this into context with this means. And then thinking about, we've came a long way from the civil rights holding up signs that said, I am a man, to having conversations to show just how human we are and how much greater we are. And I think this conversation is necessary in our community. And I think one thing that Jai said earlier, one of you said, I think we have to get back to even understanding what is a masculine and what is feminine and what are these things? Because when we look into like going to the, the feminine qualities, sometimes I think it leads to women being devalued. It leads to emotional availability and vulnerability not being allowed in relationships. And when we talk about building relationships and bringing us closer together, how do we get to a place where we have vulnerability, where we're available emotionally for each other, and we can build strong family structures to lead us to seven generations black? And somebody Great can pick question. that up, whoever. Great question. So, Great so check question. this out, right? It goes back to, again, what, what, what Brother Theo and, and Soul brought <laughs> up from the beginning, right? It goes back to the beginning, right? We are functioning, we are operating, we are living, we are existing in, in what you said too, Sister Shay, right? The context, right? Yeah. Of, of, of uh, white supremacy. I hate that term, right? I hate that term, not white supremacy, right? It's violent, white uh, uh, racism, right? And we have internalized it, okay? But what we have to understand is we are descended, right, from women you understand what I'm saying? Who were warriors, who were kings, who were rulers of lands, of nations. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So this whole, oh, woe is me. My man is kicking my ass. You please help save me from the ass kicking I'm getting from my man. That's that Mazunga woman. <laughs> That's that Mazunga female issue. You understand what I'm saying? Because they, going back to H, uh, uh, point before, right, with the whole religious concept, right, and the whole artificiality of it, right, that patriarchal shit, that's them. We don't come from that. We're not descended from that. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do is learn our fucking history, become yeah. educated, and make a consorted effort, right, to reinvigorate and reestablish what we know to be true Africanism. Yo, mm -hmm. let me piggyback on that right quick. Because he talks about the artificiality of a patriarchy. Most African societies were matriarchies, which didn't mean that women ran shit the way that men run shit in patriarchy. You see what I'm saying? Like, yes, I did read Between the World and Me, and it was an amazing book. Yeah, that very intrigued by masculine feminists portrayed in that memoir. That's what's up. Thank you for giving a shout out to Tana Hasey Coates. So in a matriarchy, what that meant was that the women were uh, the ones who would arbiter who the king was. If you wanted to trace royal bloodline, it was your mama's royal blood that made you a king. Mm -hmm. 
Ethiopia, of, maybe, right? Right, right. This was, yeah, yeah, which is now Nubia. You, you know what I mean? So right. talk about Nubia. That was where the Kandakes were the female pharaohs. They still had kings of Nubia. Understand what I'm saying? They were parallel systems of lineage and greatness. And they was the kingdoms that really showed up on the battlefield for real. If you was a king, you wasn't just going to command niggas to go out there. You was going to be out there. And if you took an arrow, so be it. We had a line of succession set up. <laughs> but what that means is that there was a way that you could be a man without being threatened by a woman in power. See what I'm saying? And I said this in one of my speeches, no true man is threatened by a woman in her full glory. No hmm. man. So uh, like I'm on here with my work wife right down there, Miss Jice Johnson. That's my work wife right down there, right? And so when Jice came on the squad, my thing was this woman strong as hell. This woman gonna keep my black ass accountable. If I don't bring her on the squad, if her strength, if if I let her strength that Oakland ass military shit, if I let that shit intimidate me, then what happens is I don't rise to my highest potential. See what I'm saying? So the masculinity in me seemed to strengthen her and was like, see, a lesser man would be not shrunk, tail tucked because of that. But me, I need somebody to keep me as accountable to my greater self. And because of that, Shop Talk Live and Black Business, we, we all rose up together. You, you understand what I'm saying? So that's just what we need to understand. That's healthy masculinity. Now I think we need to start talking about how we model that shit. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? How do we e- exemplify it and what to look for in the toxic shit that is inside of you when it get triggered? I think that's the conversation to have with these young boys. You're right, because I'm going to just leave out this. Toxic masculinity Lenity is the reason why we go to most of the funerals in the hood. It do threaten yeah. me. You understand right. what I'm saying? And, and what you're saying is so true yeah. because I think, one, it's that mirroring piece, but mm-hmm. also um, Arian is joining us today for a second. Oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. This one's not going to be toxic. Go on. Um... I'm visiting Atlanta, (laughs) y'all. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's that space that we just talked about with, you know, uh, to H's point, you know, with the platform, like, why do certain people have these platforms? They have platforms because they are talking about everything that is, you know, toxic in in what we are, you know, all the wrong things, right? That's what they talk about. And that's what gets put out there. So for for us, you know, and to kind of, you know, point out, right? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> My, y'all ever seen that one that one uh, news anchor where the the wife comes running in and like grabs the yeah. child and, like, on the floor in here trying to get my son to come out. <laughs> Luckily, you know this hey, this is for the culture. This is what it looked like. Right, real life, realism. That part. So I'm gonna turn it back over to one of y'all so I can fix this. <laughs> Okay, so we might want to finish up with what Jace was saying and kind of wrap that in a bow for us. I mean, so what do we got before us today, right? Mm-hmm. We got a landscape where we see the Me Too movement is really put, put this on the front burner. Back in the 80s, if you would have said the word toxic, your mind would go to Avenger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If in the 80s you said toxic, your mind would go to waste. Now, because of Me Too, you say toxic and your mind goes to masculinity automatically, right? I know feminists who can't unlink the two in their mind, even though they need us like mm-hmm. a mother. That's good. Now, and now, that's why we reject that feminist stuff. This is why we reject that. Right, right, right. So let's, so let's look at feminism for a second, right? Now, anybody who knows the history of feminism know it came in waves. I know some old. Right, so, let's, so let's look at feminism for a second, oh, right? I don't know who, who that was. Okay, so anyway... The, the point is the first wave feminism, nobody could argue with. Like by the time women was treated with white property, of course the, you know, they had no right to vote and shit, you know what I'm saying? So what it was, was even if femini- feminism was a toxic element in the hood, in the community, why was it appealing to black women? 
But that's what we must ask ourselves. Why was it appealing? Why did they take the bait? And of course, it leads back to the plantation scenario where we're not existing in our natural environment. So people at the bottom look for any way up that they can find, right? But it also energetically is calling the cats who are not with their shit together, including white men, mostly white men, if you've been looking lately, to figure out where the fuck you stand and how you treat people. And I think that that's the most healthiest part of it. I can't stop the Me Too movement, even if I disagree with it. You understand what I'm saying? So now, how can I get this to work for my benefit? Well, look, I got to ask myself some questions. And that's what I think the benefit of it is. And I think that we need to just look at it in terms of now that it's before us, pick yeah. the shit and work off the plate, you know? That's good. And this, hey, this is why we're hey, having... Go ahead. Hey, hey, to the brother, the brother, I guess his name is uh, Damon Pryor. Uh, y'all can put this put his comment up. I think a lot of toxic masculinity has to do with fathers not being active in their children's lives. Listen, I'm gonna disagree with that, and I'm gonna speak to it why I disagree when we go to that mindset moment, right? Perfect. There's the CDC itself, right? No, talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> the organization that is no friend to our community, by the way. Right. There's no government institution that's a friend to our community. Let's first establish that. Let's agree on that, right? The CDC itself did a study, not just a paper research, but a study. And when you understand the parameters of how studies put together, you understand why that is significant, right? Mm -hmm. The delineation between a study and just some research paper, right? Black fathers are not absent. Mm -hmm. Black fathers are in the lives of their children more than any more. of the others more more, more. Than any of the others there are more single homes right that are black fathers than the other fathers mm. this is important to note so that means that there has to be something else going on mm. you understand what i'm saying then just us not being there in the lives of our children obama when he was in office knew that that was false, but he still came out and said what he said. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Go back and check it. He gave us. But let, let me let me also let me let me say one thing about that because he's um he didn't say black fathers right. He said toxic masculinity has to do with fathers not being active in the lives of their children. True. So when we think about one, how fathers in all these communities. So we're talking about how toxic how toxic masculinity affects us as in the black community, mm -hmm. but toxic masculinity affects all these other communities. Is there a correlation to toxic masculinity and a lack of father of fatherhood and involvement or being active in the lives of children? Not necessarily just black children, but is this an issue overall that ties in? And I and I don't know, he can clarify for himself if that was there, you know, if that was the intent behind that question. But even in, you know, um households that have dual parents, you generally have an imbalance between the involvement of mothers and the involvement of fathers. And so does this lead to, you know, or does this uh, contribute to toxic mascul masculinity? Um, I, I don't know if that was his question, but I do think it's important to know he's not specifically, or at least yeah. in that statement, uh, yeah. saying, you know, black, black men. Right? I'm talking about black people. Yeah, well, and, I think, and I think that's a great point, Jason, really point that out. Um, I gotta say something about uh, the study. I, I gotta say something about the study that Lethal brought up. But what was interesting about the origin of that study was that they weren't even looking for the pattern. Right. They were studying for other formative factors in the maldevelopment of children, and they accidentally studied that pattern. And it was mm -hmm. a pretty large sample size. You can publish scientific papers with uh, 100 or 200 uh, people in their sample size. That had over 17,000 participants. You see what I'm saying? And so what I feel is that I'm going to just talk about me with, without my daddy. The, the interesting thing was I come from one of the last I felt black, healthy ish patriarchies. You see what I'm saying? Where I didn't only have a relationship with my daddy, but I had a relationship with his daddy. You know what I'm saying? Which I'm rocking his shit because my grandfather, as many of y'all know, was a Tuskegee Airman, part of the 99th Airborne. You see what I'm saying? And so what that is to me is 
It gave me a legacy. It gave me pride in the men in my family. And in a father, a boy sees his future self. Without a father, he will look for a father figure to see his future self. And what happens often is if a boy or a man, if a man is not in the presence of an example of a male example, then he will model his behavior after the most powerful person in his world, which is often his mama. You see what I'm saying? If that's not the case, then he'll find a homie off the streets. What we need to say here is that the example of a future self is what we're talking about in the presence of the life of a boy. And when we talk about the relationship that that boy has with his mother, things could get complicated, especially if things didn't really end right with the daddy. You know what I'm saying? I've seen that too. Remember when we had that talk? Remember when we had that talk in the uh, barbershop? And the dude was like, I literally learned toxic masculinity from my mother, who was the most powerful person in mm -hmm. my world, right? Great he masculinity from his mother who punished him for the crime of looking like his father. That was a crime. He got punished for this all the time, okay? And then he had to unlearn what his mom taught him about what men were and were not supposed to be through multiple failed relationships with women, right? He didn't turn out gay. He didn't turn out effeminate or nothing like that. He was just going to do some mother shit with women, right? So either way, healthy masculinity at some point must be modeled because that's what people need. People need models. Children need models. That's how we learn shit. We're a mimicking species. And I think when we focus on that, focus on where you want to go, focus on what the model should look like, and we'll be able to wrestle this narrative out of the hands of the motherfuckers who don't believe that we can uh, take charge of our destiny. Yeah, this and, is and I guess the narrative right here at Seven Generations. You guys know what time it is. It's time for our mindset shift. I think we have to hit it and hit it hard. Um, let's go ahead. I'm gonna start with my guy, Lethal. Addressing toxic mas masculinity to really help restore the black community. How can we look at this from a seven generational lens? Okay, so. I'm pulling this from, it's called the Black People Matrix, right? <laughs> and it says this, because white societies control all black statistics, narratives, and virtually all societal information that mm -hmm. black people receive, this allows them to negatively control what black people believe about themselves. They consistently, constantly, subject black people to receiving only the fraudulent worth about themselves. This demoralization creates black self-hate and disunity. It's mm -hmm. divide and conquer psychological warfare. Do we have a problem with what we can call toxic masculinity? We do. But that determination of what is toxic masculinity for us needs to be determined by us, hmm. not by someone else or others outside of our community, outside of our people who are not living our lives. I think we should think about that and keep it in the forefront of our minds as we raise our future generations. We need to have that conversation and we need to say what's toxic and masculinity for us. Because as long as we're living in a situation where we are in war, let me tell you something. I support us doing whatever it is we need to do to win and fight this war. Yeah, Lito, you, I just I appreciate your conversation. I appreciate all the wisdom that you bring to this team. My girl, Josh Johnson, how do we address toxic masculinity to really help restore the black community from a seven generational lens? I think we need to start giving broader platforms. Like I think we need to seek plat uh, people on platforms that are promoting healthy messaging. You know, I think we always um, underestimate the power of propaganda. And um, before I was so cutely interrupted, um, <laughs> that was the point that I was trying to make was how powerful propaganda is. And, um, and you know, for us to really think about 
what types of, uh, to Theo's point around the modeling, you know, what needs to be modeled out there and how do we raise the platforms of those that are modeling um, behavior that is healthy and beneficial to us as a society? And how do we stop giving voice internally? Like what can you do as an individual? You can stop giving voice to those that don't. Um, and, I, and that's a place that I struggle in because on the one side, I think we want to stay up on things, right? And we want to mm -hmm. know what's going on. But mm -hmm. that also continues to drive up the views and the algorithms and the, you know, promotion of things that are not healthy in our community. And so That's how right. do we just look at certain people, um, in particular, those in entertainment, because that's who gets paid to continue to push these these messages in front of our face and call it our culture. Um, right. And, you know, just shut it down and just stop watching, stop listening, stop reading um, right. and find and seek out those things that are beneficial mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. Well said, well said, well said, sis. Addressing toxic masculinity to really help restore the black community from a seven generational lens, my guy H. Soul. My yeah, so my mindset moment, I, I want to go back and, and look at the conversation between Mike Tyson and, and Bootsy Badass from this. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Bill <laughs> said this very, very clearly, and that is, is that Mike Tyson has evolved. But let's be clear, he didn't do that shit on his own. Real Mike Mike Tyson has the resources to hire some of the best people to help walk him through his own healing. Right? He's being he's being walked through a healing, right? And that is what we need modeled in our community are black men that are actually walking through their healing. And if you watch that interview, he's not talking from a place of a guru. A lot of times he's saying, listen, I'm fucked up. And a lot of times he's saying that, listen, I got a nigga that's chained very loosely down in my basement. And at any given moment, that nigga could pop loose, right? He ain't coming from no, you know, type of shit, right? He is, he's like, I'm holding up by my neighbor, so I understand you. And our children need to relate and to see black men. Our daughters need to see black men. Our partners need to see black men who are actively engaging in the warfare for their own mental, spiritual, physical health. And that modeling that behavior, right? Um, will then become the norm inside of our community. And that's what we need. We need to make our healing a cool, some cool shit to do, right? Like yeah. it's cool. And my Tyson is just the dude that can do it, right? Because yeah. don't get it twisted and think you'll call him soft or something because he tells you he sucks his thumb at night. Cause Mike Tyson may say that shit on an interview. Like, yeah, I stuck my thumb. And then if you giggle, you might get knocked the fuck out, right? Like he's not somebody that you gonna right. need that. At Theo's point, we need that. And so my mindset moment is let us as a community engage inside of understanding that we are a wounded people and that's okay. There ain't no shame in that. What's the shame is in is not seeking and, and engaging on your journey of healing. And we need to make healing some cool shit to be engaged in. Man, speaking of making it cool, thank you, Aso, for doing your part and making it cool, making it sexy to heal again. We like that. We appreciate you doing the work, brother. I appreciate it. My guy, we started off this conversation so eloquently. I'm going to really put this in context for us. Please, how do we look at this from a seven-generational lens? What is the mindset moment that we need addressing toxic masculinity to restore the Black community? Did you mean so, or did you mean me? Theo, you started the conversation. It's on you. Oh, okay, because you said so. I was like, okay. Oh, now so it's your turn, Theo. Okay, that was up. So check it. Um, I think that you can't be what you can't see, and I used to I used to try to focus on what's functioning. You see what I'm saying? Um, that was the gift of my father's. You know, my grandfather's only 21 years older than my daddy, you know? And you never learned how to fly by watching shit fall. You gotta study the functional. You see what I'm saying? And what I did was I turned to nature for that. You know, I used to have a calendar that just had powerful ass animals. Look at that shit, right? When you think about a silverback gorilla, 
<laughs> a masculine don't it's not flexing. Think about <laughs> right. Think about a Brahmin bull. Yeah. Think about a male lion in a mane, right? Yeah. Think about a bull elk just standing there in the sunlight. Not even it's not trying. It just is. You see what I'm saying? It's equipped with everything it needs. It doesn't have to dominate you to make it feel better. When a lion roars, niggas know what's up. It's just what it is. You know what I'm saying? And from that place, you start meditating on how to embody that in your spirit and just let that heal you. I I let that heal me. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And when I was around feminine beings who had triggers around masculinity. It didn't cost me nothing to make space for that. It cost me nothing. And when I'm around certain feminists. Uh, I'm in the poetry community, so there's like a lot of lesbians, a lot of non-gender identifying folks. And if you get into their backstory, there's a man, a male, who fucked them up. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And what you do is that you be like, sis, I got space for that. Mm -hmm. I want you to know that when you need me, I'm here. I ain't even gonna chase you down for it. When you need me, I'm here. Sometimes I never call you. Sometimes they do. And when it comes time to be that, you just be that. Know that even if she rejects you, even if nothing ever comes of it, just something that plants a seed for that things could be better. And when you get around the young boys, don't flex on them, just be. Mm -hmm. I'm strong, I'm not here to be pushed over. Ain't no pushover shit. I'm not trying to push you over. Don't you push me over. That's not how we play this. I'm here for you. Let me know if you need me. And that shit is just how you exist through the world. And watch just that energy change people. Watch that vibration just change people. When I stopped trying to seek to dominate people, I became more into my masculine energy and I, God gave me like a family and a, and a, and a baby and, a, and an income because of it. You see what I'm saying? Come on. Man, y'all make me so proud to be black. <laughs> there is gonna be a part two of this part. It's gonna be a part two and three, but make sure you tune in next Tuesday because we have to talk about uncold. You know what's next? Toxic, toxic femininity. Really in the context of what that means, we can't talk about the men without talking about the women. We play this game so fair. Remember, man, the man who has confidence in himself gains the confidence of others. Just simply be. Remember, the young girls are watching you, and the young boys are watching you. Both, we're watching, and it's going to take our whole entire community. Make sure you keep watching Seven Generations Black. We'll be back next Tuesday to have just as much raw and real conversation. Subscribe, like, and share. Go on over to CT in Media, where we're changing the narrative with you. Peace and love, family. Until next time, hustle hard for your seven generations black. We love y'all. Mm.